0: part 1 chapter 2 b of the adventures of jimmy dale this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please go to librivox.org the adventures of jimmy dale by frank l packard reading by mary rody part 1 the man in the case chapter 2 b by proxy continued They climbed one flight and then another. The card-rooms, the faro, stud, and roulette layouts, were deserted, save for policemen here and there on guard. Carruthers led the way to a room at the back of the hall, whose door was open and from which issued a hubbub of voices. One voice rose above the others, heavy and gratingly complacent. "'Clayton's back,' observed Carruthers. They stepped over the threshold, and the heavy voice greeted them ah here's carruthers now How are you carruthers they told me you'd been here and we're coming back so i've been keeping the boys waiting before handing out the dope you've had a look at that eh he flung out a fat hand toward the bed the voices rose again all directed at carruthers now bubbles burst eh carruthers what about the prince of cooks artistry and crime wasn't it you said They were quoting from his editorials of bygone days, a half-dozen reporters of rival papers, grinning and joshing him good-naturedly, seemingly quite unaffected by what lay within arm's reach of them upon the bed. Carruthers smiled a little wryly, shrugged his shoulders, and presented Jimmy Dale to Inspector Clayton. "'Mr. Mathewson, a new man of ours, Inspector.' "'Glad to know you, Mr. Mathewson,' said the Inspector." jimmie dale found his hand grasped by another that was flabby and unpleasantly moist and found himself looking into a face that was red with heavy rolls of unhealthy fat terminating in a double chin and a thick apoplectic neck a huge round face with rats eyes clayton dropped jimmie dale's hand and waved his own in the air Jimmy Dale remained modestly on the outside of the circle as the reporters gathered around the police inspector. "'Now, then,' said Clayton coarsely, "'the guy that's croaked there is Metzer, Jake Metzer. Get that?' Jimmy Dale, scribbling hurriedly in his notebook like all the rest, turned a little toward the bed, and his lower jaw crept out the fraction of an inch. Both gas-jets in the room were turned on full, giving ample light. A man fully dressed, a man of perhaps forty, lay upon his back on the bed, one arm outflung across the bedspread, the other dangling, with fingers just touching the floor, the head at an angle and off the pillow. It was as though he had been carried to the bed and flung upon it after the deed had been committed. Jimmy Dale's eyes shifted and swept the room. Yes, everything was in disorder as though there had been a struggle a chair upturned a table canted against the wall broken pieces of crockery from the washstand on the carpet and metzer was a stool pigeon see went on clayton and he lived here moriarty wasn't on to him metzer stood in thick with the wider circle of cooks than any other snitch in new york Jimmy Dale, still scribbling as Clayton talked, stepped to the bed and leaned over the murdered man. The murder had been done with a blackjack, evidently, a couple of blows. The left side of the temple was crushed in. Right in the middle of the forehead, pasted there, a grey-coloured, diamond-shaped paper seal flaunted itself, the device of the grey seal. In Jimmy Dale's hand, hidden as he turned his back, the tiny combination of powerful lenses was focused on the seal. Clayton guffawed. "'That's right,' he called out. "'Take a good look. That's a bright young man you've got, Carruthers.' Jimmy Dale looked up a little sheepishly, and got a grin from the assembled reporters, and a scowl from Carruthers. "'Now then,' continued Clayton, "'Here's the facts, as much of as I can let you boys print at present. "'You know I'm stretching a point to let you in here. "'Don't forget that when you come to write up the case. "'Honor where honors due, you know. "'Well, me and Metzer there was getting ready to close down on a big piece of game, "'and I was over here in this room talking to him about it early this afternoon. "'We had it framed to get our man tonight, see?' i left metzer say about 3 o'clock and he was to show up over at headquarters with another little bit of evidence we wanted at 8 o'clock tonight jimmy dale was listening to every word but he stooped now again over the murdered man's head deliberately though he felt the inspector's rat's eyes upon him stooped and with his fingernail lifted back the right-hand point of the diamond-shaped seal where it bordered a faint thread of blood on the man's forehead there was a bull-like roar from the inspector and he pursed through the ring of reporters and grabbed jimmie dale by the shoulder "'Here, you! What in hell are you doing?' he spluttered angrily. Embarrassed and confused, Jimmy Dale drew back, glanced around, and smiled again a little sheepishly as his eyes rested on the red-flushed jowl of the inspector. I, "'I I wanted to see how it was stuck on,' he explained inanely. "'Stuck on!' bellowed Clayton. "'I'll show you how it's stuck on, if you monkey around here. Don't you know any better than that?' "'Where were you drugged up, anyway? "'The coroner hasn't been here yet. "'You're a hot cub of a reporter, you are,' he turned to Carruthers. "'You ought to get out-printed instructions for him before you turn him loose,' he snapped. Carruthers' face was red with mortification. There was a grin expanded on the faces of the others. "'Stand away from that bed,' roared Clayton at Jimmie Dale. "'And if you go near it again, I'll throw you out of here bodily.' Jimmy Dale edged away, and eyes lowered, fumbled nervously with the leaves of his notebook. Clayton grunted, glared at Jimmy Dale for an instant viciously, and resumed his story. "'I was saying,' he said, "'that Metzer was to come to headquarters at eight o'clock this evening. "'Well, he didn't show up. "'That looked queer. "'It was mighty important business.' "'We was after one of the biggest hauls we'd ever pulled off. "'I waited till nine o'clock, an hour ago, and I was getting nervous. "'Then I started over here to find out what was the matter. "'When I got here, I asked Moriarty if he'd seen Metzer. "'Moriarty said he hadn't since I was here before. "'He was a little suspicious that I had something on Metzer, see?' Well, by pumping Moriarty, he admitted that Metzer had had a visitor about an hour after I left. "'Who was it? Know what his name is, Inspector?' asked one of the reporters quickly. Inspector Clayton winked heavily. "'Don't be greedy, boys,' he grinned. "'You mean you've got him?' burst out another one of the men excitedly. "'Sure, sure, I've got him,' Inspector Clayton waved his fat hand airily or i will have before morning but i ain't sayin' anything more till it's over he smiled significantly well that's about all you've got the details right around you i left moriarty downstairs and came up here and found just what you see metzer layin' on the bed there and the gray seal stuck on his forehead and he ended abruptly i'll have the gray seal himself behind the bars by morning A chorus of ejaculations rose from the reporters, while their pencils worked furiously. Then Jimmy Dale appeared to have an inspiration. Jimmy Dale turned a leaf in his notebook, and began to sketch rapidly, cocking his head now on one side, now on the other. With a few deft strokes he had outlined the figure of Inspector Clayton. The reporter beside Jimmy Dale leaned over to inspect the work, and another did likewise. Jimmy Dale drew in Clayton's face most excellently, if somewhat flatteringly, and then, with a little flourish of pride, wrote under the drawing, The man who captured the gray seal. "'That's a cracking good sketch,' pronounced the reporter at his side. "'Let the inspector see it.' "'What is it?' demanded Clayton, scowling. Jimmy Dale handed him the notebook modestly. Inspector Clayton took it, looked at it, looked at Jimmy Dale. Then his scowl relaxed into a self-sufficient and pleased smile, and he grunted approvingly. "'That's the stuff to put over,' he said. "'Mabby you're not much of a reporter, but you can draw. You're all right, sport, you're all right.' Forget what I said to you a while ago. Jimmy Dale smiled, too, deprecatingly, and put the notebook in his pocket. An officer entered the room hurriedly, and, drawing Clayton aside, spoke in an undertone. A triumphant and malicious grin settled on Clayton's features, and he started with a rush for the door. Come around to headquarters in two hours, boys, he called as he went out and I'll have something more for you.' The room cleared, the reporters tumbling downstairs, to make for the nearest telephones to get their copy into their respective offices. On the street, a few doors up from the house where they were free from the crowd, Carruthers halted Jimmy Dale. "'Jimmy,' he said reproachfully, "'you certainly made a mark of us both.' There wasn't any need to play the cub so egregiously. However, I'll forgive you for the sake of the sketch. Hand it over, Jimmy. I'm going to reproduce it in the first edition. It wasn't drawn for reproduction, Carruthers. At least not yet, said Jimmy Dale quietly. Carruthers stared at him. Eh? he asked blankly. I've taken a dislike to Clayton, said Jimmy Dale whimsically. "'He's too patently after free advertising, and I'm not going to help along his boost. "'You can't have it, old man, so let's think about something else. "'What'll they do with that bit of paper that's on the poor devil's forehead up there, for instance?' "'Say,' said Carruthers, "'does it strike you that you're acting queer? "'You haven't been drinking, have you, Jimmy?' "'What'll they do with it?' persisted Jimmy Dale.' Well, said Carruthers, smiling a little tolerantly, they'll photograph it and enlarge the photograph and label it Exhibit A or Exhibit B or something like that, and file it away in the archives with the fifty or more just like it that are already in their collection. That's what I thought, observed Jimmy Dale. He took Carruthers by the lapel of the coat. I'd like a photograph of that. I'd like it so much that I've got to have it. "'Know the chap that does that work for the police?' "'Yes,' admitted Carruthers. "'Very good,' said Jimmy Dale crisply. "'Get an extra print of the enlargement from him, then. "'For consideration. "'Whatever he asks, I'll pay for it.' "'But what for?' demanded Carruthers. "'I don't understand.' "'Because,' said Jimmy Dale very seriously, "'put it down to imagination, or whatever you like, "'I think I smell something fishy here.' "'You what?' exclaimed Carruthers in amazement. "'You're not joking, are you, Jimmy?' Jimmy Dale laughed shortly. "'It's so far from a joke,' he said in a low tone, "'that I want your word you'll get that photograph into my hands by tomorrow afternoon, "'no matter what transpires in the meantime. "'And look here, Carruthers. "'Don't think I'm playing the silly thickhead and trying to mystify you.' I'm no detective or anything like that. I've just got an idea that apparently hasn't occurred to anyone else. And, of course, I may be all wrong. If I am, I'm not going to say a word even to you, because it wouldn't be playing fair with someone else. If I'm right, the morning news Argus gets the biggest scoop of the century. Will you go in on that basis?' Carruthers put out his hand impulsively. If you're in earnest, Jimmy, you bet good returned Jimmy Dale, the photograph by- tomorrow afternoon, then and now- and now said Carruthers, I've got to hurry over to the office and get a write-up man at work. Will you come along or meet me at headquarters later? Clayton said in two hours he'd neither said Jimmy Dale, I'm not interested in headquarters. I'm going home, well, all right, then Carruthers returned. YOU CAN BANK ON ME FOR TOMORROW. GOOD NIGHT, JIMMY. GOOD NIGHT, OLD MAN, SAID JIMMY DALE, AND TURNING, WALKED BRISKLY TOWARD THE BOWERY. BUT JIMMY DALE DID NOT GO HOME. HE WALKED DOWN THE BOWERY FOR THREE BLOCKS, CROSSED TO THE EAST SIDE, AND TURNED DOWN a cross STREET. TWO BLOCKS MORE HE WALKED IN THIS DIRECTION, AND HALFWAY DOWN THE NEXT. HERE HE PAUSED AN INSTANT. THE STREET WAS DIMLY LIGHTED, ALMOST DARK, DESERTED. Jimmie Dale edged close to the houses until his shadow blended with the shadows of the walls and slipped suddenly into a pitch black areaway. He opened a door, stepped into an unlighted hallway where the air was close and evil smelling, mounted a stairway, and halted before another door on the first landing. There was the low clicking of a lock, three times repeated, and he entered a room, closing and fastening the door behind him jimmie dale called it his sanctuary in one of the worst neighborhoods of new york where no questions were asked as long as the rent was paid it had the further advantage of three separate exits one by the areaway where he had entered one from the street itself and another through a back yard with an entry into a saloon that fronted on the next street it was not often that jimmie dale used his sanctuary but there had been times when it was no more nor less than exactly what he called it a sanctuary he stepped to the window assured himself that the shade was down and lighted the gas blinking a little as the yellow flame illuminated the room it was a rough place dirty uninviting a bedroom furnished in the most scanty fashion neither apparently was there anything suspicious about it to reward one curious enough to break in during the owner's absence some rather disreputable clothes hanging on the wall and flung untidily across the bed that was all alone now jimmie dale's face was strained and anxious and occasionally as he undressed himself his hands clenched until his knuckles grew white The gray seal on the murdered man's forehead was a genuine gray seal, one of Jimmy Dale's own. There was no doubt of that. He had satisfied himself on that point. Where had it come from? How had it been obtained? Jimmy Dale carefully placed the clothes he had taken off under the mattress, pulled a disreputable collarless flannel shirt over his head, and pulled on a disreputable pair of boots. There were only two sources of supply, his own and the collection that the police had made, which Carruthers had referred to. Jimmy Dale lifted a corner of the oilcloth in a corner of the room, lifted a piece of the flooring, lifted out a little box which he placed upon the rickety table, and sat down before a cracked mirror. Who was it that would have access to the gray seals in the possession of the police? since obviously it was one of those that was on the dead man's forehead the answer came quick enough came with the sudden outthrust of jimmie dale's lower jaw one of the police themselves no one else clayton's heavy cunning face clayton's shifty eyes clayton's sudden rush when he had touched the dead man's forehead pictured themselves in a red flash of fury before jimmie dale there was no mask now no facetiousness no acted part only a merciless rage and the muscles of jimmie dale's face quivered and twitched murder foisted shifted upon another upon the gray seal making of that name a calumny ruining forever the work that she and he might do and then jimmie dale smiled mirthlessly with thinning lips the box before him was open His fingers worked quickly, a little wax behind the ears, in the nostrils, under the upper lip. Deftly placed hands, wrists, neck, throat, and face received their quota of stain, applied with an artist's touch. And then the spruce, muscular Jimmy Dale, transformed into a slouching, vicious-featured denizen of the underworld, replaced the box under the flooring, pulled a slouch-hat over his eyes, extinguished a gas, and went out. End of Part 1 Chapter 2 B